We've had such a month full of love. I know between Valentine's Day and Valentine's Day, we just have a full month of celebrating the important relationships with the people that we love, be that a romantic relationship or a friendship. I got to thinking about these relationships as I was writing my little Valentine's Day notes I send to all my friends, and I was considering how much they define me and have throughout the different phases of my life, and I'm lucky enough to have friendships that have crossed a lot of different phases of my life, so from high school and middle school to college, graduate school, and and now in my adult life. I thought a lot about those specific people as I was writing, you know, them a note of, of love for Valentine's Day. These are people that I go to for support, for laughter, and for love. And I was really considering why it was these chosen few, if you it sounds a little pompous to say, but why these were my group of people and what was it about those relationships that has made them endure and what relationships have kind of not gone on and remained a permanent fixture in my life and examining what caused that. One of the things I always say in any relationship, be it with a partner, a friend, a lover, a spouse, whatever, is you have to look at one equation very carefully. Do they make you better? And do you make them better? And it's that mutual, beneficial love and support that really pushes a relationship and in my opinion, make sure it endures, whether that is the relationship with your mother, your sister, your best friend, or your spouse. So really examining, you know, do the relationships that I have in my life enrich me and do I enrich them? So are you helping nurturing each other rather than deteriorate? Because I have definitely had some very difficult friendships that I did not want to give up on because it's not that there isn't love and compassion, but it doesn't always serve you. So through the years, I'm sure we've all seen lots of different types of relationships from childhood friends to lovers, right? And and now for me as spouse and, and your relationships change just like you don't have the same relationship with your parents or your siblings that you did at age five. So as the relationship changes, what are the things that we can look for to really identify if that relationship is serving us and if it's one that we should really invest our our time and energy and love into because just like most resources there's a finite amount of you and there's a finite amount of your time and love and energy that you can expend on this group of people so really understanding and being very confident in the relationships that you are cultivating and that they are serving you and you are serving them is very important. So I started thinking about some of the relationships in my life that did not serve me 
and how I identified that those were something I didn't want to continue to cultivate. So I put together just a list of five things that I kind of subconsciously asked myself and definitely had other friends and you know mentors and family members ask these questions of me when I went to them to discuss my concerns about you know these different relationships and some of them were very hard to really come to terms with the fact that it might not be a relationship I want to continue. So I will go ahead and share these five things with you and I want to do a precursor of saying like I'm not promoting you guys cutting people out of your lives and ghosting anyone but I do want to discuss whether or not you feel that those relationships are really beneficial for you. So with that said, number one, this was one of the first and biggest lessons I learned with whether or not to continue with a relationship. And that was, are there certain topics that are off limits? Are there things that cannot be said between the two of you? And it's not just like, we don't want to discuss politics or religion at the dinner table type of thing, but can you not be yourself? Do you have to hide a huge part of who you are? That relationship probably isn't enriching you if you can't be you. My parents had a pretty ugly divorce. And when we were finished with that actual process, there's all the other subsequent relationships that have come together as a result of these two people, friends and family. And one of the most difficult decisions I've ever had to make is to stop having constant communication with my paternal grandmother. Now, I have always acted as the eternal peacemaker. And for years after their divorce, I tried to have a relationship with my grandmother. Uh, There was just only about 10 topics we could discuss with each other. Otherwise, the conversation would degrade into name calling, um, low blows, and just horrific untruths that then I felt I had to defend. And this particular case was very painful to me and truthfully is still to this day almost, you know, almost a decade after um, choosing not to continue to cultivate that relationship because I have all of these memories from my childhood. Uh, with with my grandmother, filled with that love, filled with that just what I thought was unconditional love and realizing that the relationship had changed so much and was no longer a source of love and joy, but stress and sadness was absolutely heartbreaking. But it was something I had to come to terms with for my personal well-being. I finally came to a point where I didn't feel the need to continually put myself in a situation where I had to feel guarded and defensive. And if you can't agree to disagree on certain topics and not have it be a defining point in the relationship, then it might be time to reassess the importance of that relationship, even though it can be very painful 
ahead to do so. And you have to look at what is the long-term benefit of continuing that relationship. So if there are things that you just can't talk about without leaving feeling very distressed and that is continual, like every time you see them, it's not just like, you know, we had a fight and, you know, we don't want to talk about it or somebody, you know, is going through a rough time and, you know, at work and they don't want to talk about that with their friends. It's not those type of topics being off limits. It's really not feeling like you can be comfortable and be yourself and talk about the things that matter to you in your life without it being a source of decisive distress and creating diatribes. So really think about those type of relationships that you have in your life. And if you know you feel that you can't be your true self and you can't have a real relationship and it's not serving you to continue, maybe reassess that one. Which brings me to my number two. Is the relationship adding positivity or stress? So the second telltale sign is your emotional state before, during, and after encounters with this person. So is going to see them foreboding, you know, and I'm not talking about like the holidays and you have to go to your in-laws house like, you know, or something like that. I'm very lucky in that, but you know, I understand there are certain situational uh, points of stress, but I'm speaking more on a day-to-day level. You know, do you look forward to seeing them beforehand when you're actually, you know, in the, in the conversation or in the presence of that person? Is it something that makes you smile? Is it something that makes you feel uplifted? Is it something that makes you feel like you are learning something growing in some way and in in a positive way? Or are you feeling stressed and uh, on edge and guarded and uh, you know just basically holding your muscles tense the whole time and when you leave is it a feeling of relief is it a feeling of sadness really examining how you feel in relationships and whether or not you know continuing going down the path of communication is something that's going to bring more positivity to your life or more stress and concern so it goes along with that topics because usually if topics are off limits then you feel stress when you're there and it's you know has that foreboding feeling of not wanting to say their own thing and start an argument. So the one and two for me I usually go hand in hand, but they don't always have to. Number three, is the support one-sided? So this might be my number one issue I have with some of the friendships I've I've let go of. And it, it stems, again, I talked about being the eternal peacemaker at the beginning of this podcast. I have a psychologist and a counselor as a mom, and I always want to be someone's person. If, if they are upset, I want to be able to be there, and I, and I want for them to feel confident sharing you know deep concerns with me, emotions with me, and hopefully celebrations with me. 
But I have found that there were a few relationships in my life where I mostly existed in two states. And one was sitting in silence for them to kind of stream of consciousness word vomit all over me about their problems. And then the flip side of that was having to constantly offer support and condolence and reassurance. But rarely was I receiving that type of support back from them. And going back to that equation I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast where do you make them better and do they make you better? There were a lot of relationships in my life that I did not feel were balanced in that because of me really just being an emotional outlet and kind of friend therapist for them. So I'm not saying to not be there for your friends, but I think we can all identify one relationship in our life where we felt like that balance was skewed very dramatically to one direction. So just reevaluate those and and maybe it needs to be a growth conversation between the two of you or however many, you know, is in the party. But I think a lot of times those type of friends are not a friendship that is going to push you to be a better person other than maybe being a better therapist and listener. So, um, you know, there's, there's one silver lining for you. Uh, number four, how do you feel after saying goodbye? Very famously, we've all heard parting is such sweet sorrow, or at least it should be. But a lot of times I felt elated or like a weight had been lifted when finishing an encounter and really considering if the time that I had just spent either you know talking or texting or sitting with that person was worth it if what I felt afterwards was excitement at not being in their presence. So if you always leave feeling either happy that it's over or stressed, sad, upset, emotionally drained, again, you have a finite amount of resources and your energy and love is valuable. So try to ensure you're putting it in a relationship that is is nurturing to those aspects of you. Uh, Number five, is your life enriched by having them in it? This is the most essential question. It's very simply put, is your life better with a minute? Do you feel happier? Do you feel more uplifted and supported? Do you feel proud that you're able to offer them, you know, love and support and get the same love in return? I mean, obviously all relationships go through ebbs and flows, you know, ups and downs, but being able to identify which relationships in your life make it better is a lifelong skill I wish I had learned much sooner. A lot of times I tried to force relationships because I either thought I should have them. You know, I thought I should have a relationship with my grandmother. I, you know, oh, my old roommate that I, you know, I lived with for a year and we shared all of these things, you know, in our childhood and, you know, some intense emotional points um, in both of our lives were witnessed together. And I wanted to cling on so, 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 so badly it's kind of like that, you know, dress I had 
that used to make me feel so beautiful but now after too many washes and you know spills and it's ripped and worn but for some reason I just can't throw it away even though I don't wear it even though it doesn't make me feel the way I used to (laughs) I still have had such an emotional connection to something like a dress so imagine a friendship a person it's exponentially higher but you know it was Maybe a little hyperbolic, but definitely true. I have an emotional connection with um, with those memories, which, you know, for people in the dress, that's what you're connecting to is, is those memories that brought you such love and joy at the time. And realizing that that's no longer true in your current life can be very distressing because you always want to feel like, it can get back there and you can have that same relationship that you did or have that same feeling that you did when you were with them. But I definitely don't have the same problems now at 32 as I did at 17 or 22. So I know it it seems odd for me to even consider that I would have the same friendships. But again, some of them have grown with me and some of them have not. So really identifying if those friendships are something that I feel I am positively affected by, both I am affecting them positively and the effect of the relationship is positive as well. And Lauren, my sister-in-law, please make sure I used effect and effect correctly. I think I did, but she is a really wonderful editor. And so I'm sure she'll tell me if I have to go back and edit that part. And there is a great example of a relationship that serves me. (laughs) Makes me a better person. She definitely does. So deciding that you don't want to have relationships in your life, it sucks. Uh, There's no other way to say that. It's very painful. It's a loss. It doesn't necessarily have to be a permanent loss but a loss nonetheless that you would mourn. And my friendships are very important to me. I grew up abroad, um, not surrounded by you know family, not surrounded by my grandparents or cousins or you know friends I had known since childhood. I you know we moved and I moved schools and I was you know on a different continent, and I really made those friendships part of my family. So when you have something like the word family in front of you and whether it is an actual genetic or, you know, internal family member like my grandmother, my paternal grandmother, the example I gave earlier, or the family that you've made for yourself over the years, it's, it's a loss. I think it's obvious that people grow apart for different reasons, but I also think they can grow back together as well. So as you consider the relationships in your life and which ones serve you, I would caution not to burn bridges, but to just simply stop stop actively trying to invite those type of interactions into your life. Being cruel does not serve anyone, but being kind to yourself does. So strive to find that balance as you examine the relationships in your life. That way, if you guys 
and gals can find your way back to each other in the future, maybe a little bit wiser or having a different experience that makes you or them examine something differently. It's not starting from a place of contention where you ended the relationship on a bad note, but from a place of personal and mutual growth. So consider that as you are deciding whether or not to continue actively being a part of those people's lives. Well, I know this wasn't the most fun subject to discuss and definitely not your typical Valentine's Day podcast about the amazingness of love, but it was a real point of reflection for me as I was considering those relationships that I have in my life now and celebrating them. And it, you know, obviously makes you think yin and yang of the ones that have no longer a presence in your life. So please be kind to yourself first and make sure that you are making people better and they are making you better. To me, that's the true benchmark of any relationship and I hope you have many of them. know about y'all but I kind of need a drink after that conversation. Speaking of which, always promise a little lanyap at the end of every podcast and I thought let's do a cocktail recipe. We might all need a little cocktail after that examination of self and love. So I had my birthday last week and I had a couple of girls over and I always like to make kind of a mixed cocktail that's ready that I put in a pitcher so that we can kind of pour and add the additional accoutrement, makes it easy, makes it fun, and then you don't have to set up a full bar, you know, just kind of wine and this nice cocktail. So I'm a particular fan of gin and I'm a particular fan of very uh, tart acidic more like lemon, lime, grapefruit-based drinks instead of the sweet. So I decided to make kind of a fizzy, gin, herbal, earthy cocoa cocktail, which I completely made up, but I will share with you now. And, you know, we'll call it tart for tarts. Sure, we'll go with that. So I know it's kind of odd to give exact measurements because I made this cocktail for like six girls. So when I say things like 10 shots of gin, obviously if you're making it for yourself, you can adjust accordingly. But um, I think if I have my math brain on enough, I could probably do this for a single cocktail. So one shot of gin, I did then two ounces of grapefruit juice, and then I put um, soda water, club soda, um, the rest of the way, and a little bit of lime zest. And I shook that up, and then I made two different types of herbal simple syrups to then sweeten slightly, but with a nice earthy um, texture to it, the cocktail. Um, before you shake it up. So I did one thyme and one rosemary. And to do an herbal simple syrup, it's very simple. You do equal parts sugar and water. So if you're making a small amount, one cup sugar, one cup water. 
and you put that in a saucepan over medium high heat and then put your fresh herbs in just over the top. I think I did like 10, 15 sprigs of thyme and maybe four or five sprigs of rosemary, just depending on the size of the rosemary and how fresh it is, etc. Dry herbs really aren't gonna work here, so you wanna make sure you're using like the fresh, fresh herbs. So boil that down until it gets you know, to a nice syrup and then I just put it through a sieve to get all the leaves out. And then I actually took a couple of fresh sprigs and put them in the little um, pour bottles just like if you're making your own salad dressing you have. I used the same types um, just for decoration. It's beautiful with the leaves in there. And so what you're gonna do then is put all of the first part into a cocktail shaker, pour in your desired syrup, if you want thyme or rosemary, and desired amount. Again, I'm not a big sweet person, but some of the ladies there wanted a little bit more simple syrup. So adjust accordingly. And um, we shook it up and then I served with a sprig of one of the fresh herbs, whichever one they had chosen for their simple syrup and served with a nice big ice cube in it. And it was absolutely wonderful. And just very refreshing, light, crisp, and everything I'm looking for in a cocktail. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed, is that the right word? I hope you all enjoyed, or at least found interesting, this week's episode of Tea with Coco. I am Coco like Chanel. Until next time, les les bon temps relais, and everyone have a great day.